When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's secret golf. It's what I'm looking for. It's Tuesday of the open week, and this is the Secret Golf Podcast. Hi, I'm Diane. So, well, this week, so much going on and I'm really excited that we're bringing you a daily podcast in the run-up to the Open kicking off and hearing from loads of different people. Yesterday on the podcast, I caught up with Steve Elkington and looked back on, well, his record in the Open. We spoke in depth about, in well, 2002 at Muirfield, he finished runner-up and uh, was in a playoff. But the great thing about that, and if you didn't hear it yesterday, go back and listen to that podcast because he wasn't even in the field and had to play in this qualifier. And the qualifier was on the Monday of Open Week in 2002, of course, called Dunbar, not far from Muirfield. And there was a crazy story about how he even got in. Then the Open itself and the playoff where Ernie Els went on to win eventually. But it was great yesterday to, to go back and look at what the Open means to him too and just tell some great stories, as he always does. I also talked to Scott McLeod from Flagstick Golf. It's a Canadian golf media company, magazine, website, social media, everything. And Scott had played Royal Port Rush just a couple of months ago for the RNA Media Day. So he gave a good insight into the course. That podcast is available on iTunes, on Spotify, all other podcast apps. So you can go and find that. Today, well, I'm going to be talking to someone from the BBC in Northern Ireland who really knows Portrush very well. And going to have a little bit of history today because the Open was last held at Royal Portrush in 1951. That was the last time it was held out with Scotland or England and the guy I'm talking to from the BBC Rick Farragar he made a TV show all about the 51 Open at Portrush and just what it means to the town of Portrush to have it back in Northern Ireland he said to me actually a great thing that it's going to have a Ryder Cup feel to it 
And I completely agree with him. I think that watching it, and I'm actually just sad that I'm not going to be there, but watching it and watching the build-up there is going to be that kind of atmosphere there this year. Now, to start the podcast, today I am talking to Ryan Ballingy from Golf News Net. We always catch up with Ryan around the big events. It does feel weird, Ryan, because I'm normally at the Open. And normally you and I are having some kind of chat when I'm over the pond and you're back in the US. But even though I'm in Jacksonville right now, I wish I was there. I would be too. Uh, It's about 94 degrees here. It's definitely piping hot and very humid. I'm sure it's very pleasant over there in Port Rush, which is one of my favorite places in the world, Northern Ireland that I've ever been and kind of jealous that I'm not there this week, but at least we'll be treated to what looks at least from a TV perspective to be a, a great, great venue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh, definitely. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And the weather forecast isn't fantastic, but who cares? Because it's Lynx Golf in Northern Ireland. The weather's never going to be great for four days solid. But, well, actually, talking of the weather, I did see Mark Leishman. He had sent us some stuff earlier, and he was out on the course wearing short sleeves, which is a very encouraging sign. (laughs) The time I went to Northern Ireland, it was, I believe, February, late, early February, late January is around the Super Bowl. And we went, my wife and I went because the weather is basically the same as here. Like it wasn't any different. Um, So that there is a possibility of some short sleeves seems nice and that they won't get the full brunt of it uh, that we've got here. That, that seems pretty positive. But I I do think with the weather forecast, it seems like they don't have a ton of confidence in what's going to happen yet. Uh, And I, I can't say that they should because of how close, Royal Port Rush is right on the Irish Sea, so um, they're going to get whatever is going to come. There's no kind of, there's nothing to just stop the weather or defend the land, so to speak. It's it's coming whether we like it or not. Exactly. Right. Let's talk about some of the big stories heading into the Open, and we're going to kick off with Brooks Kepka, because well, you know, Brooks Kepka and majors, those two just go hand in hand. Winning the PGA Championship earlier this year, and then that fantastic display that he put on at the U.S. Open, nearly going back to back, but Gary Woodland stopping him right at the end. What do you think about Kepka's chance at Royal Portrush? I don't know. I don't, I don't assess them as too high. I haven't seen any evidence so far to suggest that he loves playing in the open or that he loves Lynx golf. Um, the one thing I think that is working in his favor is that it seems like Royal Port Rush has a lot of demands off the tee mm-hmm. and something that stuck with me that Adam Scott said that it can be particularly penal regardless of what you do off the tee. So it leads me to believe that Brooks may be able to play his brand of golf, which is incredibly effective off the tee and kind of do it his way and not have to necessarily feel like he has to throttle back his power game to be able to succeed here. And if he can, can do that, if he can kind of play his natural brand of major championship golf, then maybe this is a good venue for him. So mm-hmm. I, I can't rule him out, but I don't have any particular reason to feel good about his major champ or his open championship pass. Okay, his caddy is actually from Portrush. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that kind of like local knowledge is going to help too much, bearing in mind that the course has been modified a little bit. But there has to be, there has to be some kind of positive feeling around that because for his caddy, it's a home event. That'll be interesting to me is that how Ricky Elliott figures out how to integrate what he knows about Brooks Kepka 
uh-huh. into what he knows about Royal Port Rush because it seemingly they don't, they don't seem to compute. But then again, Rory McIlroy, who has the ball forever, has the course record here with 61. I mean, I, I know the course has changed and there are two different holes, but he's held the course record for 14 years and uh, he's only gotten longer since he was 16. So there has to be some value in being able to hit it far and straight uh, on this golf course. Okay. What do you think about Tiger Woods? Tiger hasn't played competitive golf since the US Open. And even at the US Open, I was talking to someone earlier about this for another podcast and I'd said, you know, even at the US Open, I felt that he was acting a little bit timid. He was walking a little bit gingerly. He hasn't played golf since then. At any time Tiger isn't playing golf, there's warning signs going off in everyone's head and major panic. But what do you think about his chances at the Open this year? Uh, it feels like this year has been a balancing act post-Masters for Tiger, and even maybe even back against last year. In the last year, he seemed to play more frequently, and he played places that he would normally play in the effort to kind of figure out where his game is and what he needs to do to be able to perform. And it seems like he's kind of gone the other way this year, that he's trying to be more minimalist. And, well, I really only care about the majors, the WGCs, the players, and the FedEx Cup. So what's the minimum schedule I can play and still compete in those? And I I think part of that is kind of inspired by the Masters. I mean, he did win a major this year, so the rest is gravy, so to speak. Um but when he has played, his ball striking has looked generally pretty good. Uh, the only things that have not looked good were his wedge play at the PGA Championship, where he basically put in no short game practice and then just trotted out there hoping that it would work. And the putter has been kind of stagnant at times. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess my question mark for him is, can he putt and can he chip? And in this environment, a link style environment, I think that matters less because he has the imagination to pull off some of the shots that, frankly, other players in the field, mostly Americans, won't be able to pull off as well. So I think he does have an advantage in that he's a little bit fresher. He hasn't played much. Um, he likes this style of golf, and it does kind of suit his capability as a, a world-class course manager. So whatever he's losing and not playing recently, maybe he's made up for it in being healthier and more rested and being able to play this golf course almost sight unseen because he gets them pretty quickly. I think with Tiger as well, and it was evident at the Open at Carnoustie last year, if he can make it through Friday, if he can make the cut, then who knows what's going to happen? Because last year, I don't know if he was on the number on Friday, but he just scraped the cut and then put together that incredible round on Saturday to really get himself in the mix on Sunday. But it's almost like if he makes the cut, then who knows what's going to happen with Tiger? It's just kind of getting over that initial hurdle. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I think he's got to just get over that first round more than anything. I I think for him at the PGA Championship, what was so jarring was Brooks Koepka came out guns blazing and seemed no way intimidated by him. Mm -hmm. And Tiger choked in the first three holes, and that was pretty much it. I mean, it was over. At the U.S. Open, it felt like he got off to an okay start, but nothing clicked. And he wasn't making anything. And again, it was over. He he needs a good start to get invested in it, or otherwise he's going to do what he did come Sunday at the U.S. Open, which was, well, I've got 12 holes left. Let's try and make as many birdies as I can. And he backdoors the top 20. And that that sounds better in the end, but 
he was never really into it. And it seemed frankly for the first half of the Sunday round, like he could wanted to be anywhere else, but Pebble beach, which sounds crazy. So I think he's got to get, He's got to get out the gate hot to be emotionally invested in what happened. I saw you put a tweet up this morning that got quite a bit of interest and it was about Matthew Wolfe, who got his debut win at the 3M Open on the PGA Tour just a few weeks ago. It was only his fourth start on the PGA Tour. And you'd put up that you almost can't believe that he's not in the field for the Open. The way that he's been playing over the past couple of weeks, we just saw it at the weekend there as well. He is already up there and is going to be recognised, if not already as a world-class player. It does feel weird that he's not competing in the Open. It does feel weird. Um, it really does. I mean, I and I I also made that comment that you know, the Open qualifying series has found a weird way to get certain guys into events. You know, we, we did the Rocket Mortgage in Detroit, but we skipped a week, which was, you know, the, arguably the most interesting of the three with a Morikawa Wolf showdown. Then we go back to the John Deere Classic and we get Dylan Fratelli in there. And meanwhile, the Singapore Open gives four spots to guys that it, it just kind of doesn't add up to me. I, I, it does seem arbitrary in some sense. But that said, there are also some really capable guys who won on the PGA Tour this year who also didn't get in. Yeah. Max Homa won in Charlotte. He's not in. I think he's like the fourth alternate right now. Really? Kevin Tway. Yeah, Kevin Tway won this year. He's not in. Yeah, Adam Long like, won the Desert whoa. Classic. He's not in. Okay. So, I mean, there are guys who have had, by any measure, a successful season because they won, and they're not in this field. And, and obviously, the Open has the most diverse criteria to get in of all the majors. There's something like 41 ways you can get into the British Open. <laughs> but and I and that's great because it's more reflective of a a world world event. Golf yeah, field. I get it. But it does feel like from a biased American perspective that if you win on the PGA tour, there's got to be some way you can weasel into uh, at least three of the four majors each year. Um, but like, that's just the way it is. So we've got someone who's going to be in next year's open and probably a lot of opens for years to come in Matt Wolf. And he's going to be sitting on the sidelines this week, I guess just taking a rest after uh, going through an incredible run of three weeks to get in his status. So pluses and minuses, but I guess we'll see next week when he plays the WGC in Memphis, what it's going to be like for him to transition from an event that was kind of like college where you just go try to birdie every hole to an event that at Southwind will probably be more difficult. So let's talk about some picks because I'm always interested to see who you've got your eye on, especially with the SG Tour. And it's in full flow this week, so we're going to have to get around to picking our teams anyway. So I'm going I'm to want the big obvious picks, but then I'm going to want some of your dark horse picks as well. So I think my kind of obvious picks, I mean, Rory, you got to think about him. He's got 19 top 10s in the last 40 majors played. So that that's pretty good. You should... You would think the guy who has the course record would also feel extra at advantage, you know, at an advantage. Uh, I was just—I so think- I saw something about Rory actually. So this season on the PGA Tour, fourteen starts, and he's finished in the top ten eleven times in fourteen starts. I mean, that's kind of out. I mean, that's like a Dustin Johnson number from a couple of seasons ago. Where he's pretty much good for it. I mean, yeah. it might not be his best golf, but even his mediocre golf is better than 90% of the PGA tour. So it's kind of hard not to like the guy. I mean, even if he doesn't win, he's going to finish up there. You can almost pencil it in. 
So I think you have to start with him. And then I think John Rahm has a great chance. I mean, he won his second Irish Open two weeks ago. It's basically all of his European Tour wins but one are in Ireland. Um, he seems to finish very well on these types of Irish Lynx-style golf courses. And it also seems like he's figured out somewhat how to control his temper this year. So he's become more consistent. He doesn't have as many of those weird incidents where he just throws the putter in the ground or something like that. Uh, I think he's maybe maturing a little bit, maybe starting to figure out how to channel that energy, so to speak. Uh, this could be a good time for him. And then I think to Adam Scott, who has been putting unbelievably well this year for his standard and has been tremendous in the major championships. I mean, he's been in two of them uh, in terms of really high finishes. So I think you got to look at those three guys as maybe the leading characters and then starting to think about trying to build around them. Mm-hmm. Okay, right. So let's go to the other end of the spectrum and look at someone who's maybe in that D category on the SG Tour, someone that's a little bit further down the world rankings in the field. I mean, this is, in that sense, I think it's kind of tough this week just because you have so many good names. But I mean, you're looking in the, you know, 150 to 1, 125 to 1, 200 to 1, maybe even 80 to 1. I don't know. Maybe I'm. I'm going too high at that point, but at that level, I think kind of the mid-level guy, a Rafa Cabrera Bayo, mm-hmm. who's maybe get a rate like right around the hundred to one. He has been lighting the European tour on fire since the U S open. I think it's like third, second and fifth or something like that. Uh, and obviously two of those are in link style starts with the Scottish open, the Irish open was in both of those uh, with a decent chance to win. So you got to like him a lot. Uh, I think he's riding pretty high. Um, man, I love Eddie Pepperell. Uh, I just love him in general. I feel like he kind of has the type of attitude that should do well in this championship. I do wonder if he's going to put some pressure on himself because he kind of backdoored his way on Sunday into a, what a T six finish that really set up his 2019 in a lot of ways. Um, but he does seem to kind of have the attitude that might work well for Lynx golf. I'm kind of shocked. Bern Wiesberger is 70 to one, 80 to one in places. I'm, I'm looking at it. I know he doesn't have a great open championship history, but he's won two of his last six starts. And since he's kind of come back from that wrist injury, he has rocketed up the official world golf ranking to kind of get back in, I think the forties at this point. So he's playing really, really well. Um, other than that, I mean, I, I think maybe jazz Jana Watanod, you got to come back to, okay. uh, he won the Cologne open, the Korea open on the Asian tour. So he's still continuing to pile up wins. He's crushing their money list on the Asian tour. He's one of the lead players. I think he learned a lot from contending at the PGA championship about what he's capable of doing and what he's still kind of got to do to get ahead. He's so modest about it. I mean, he says, Oh, I've got to get better. I'm not good enough. I, I don't know that I believe that. And I don't know if I believe that he believes that, but uh, the way that he's played really the last 14 months or so is indicative of a guy you might want to take a look at at 500 to one. 500 to one. Great. 500 to one. <laughs> You're all, honestly like I look at the field sometimes and even working in golf and being around it all day, every day. I look at some guys and think, oh, my gosh, I would never be able to like state the kind of form that they've been in or predict how they're going to do. You're always so good for giving us the dark horse picks. And I love that. But that's the crazy thing about this tournament, too, is that you do have some of these guys who are kind of absolute. I mean, mm-hmm. Jazz is not a random anymore because he of what he did at Bethpage. But before then, you would have gone, who, who's that guy? But be, 
because of the nature of this championship and how well he's done on the Asian tour and the Japanese tour for that matter, that he's front and center, even though it, from a better's perspective, he's not getting any love whatsoever. Okay. Okay. Good. Ryan, thank you very much. And are you going to play on the SG tour this week? If I invite you to play in my game, will you go up against me? I am. So I'm getting a new Apple device this week. So I, I, my <laughs> six year old, uh, I've had many is going into retirement so I can actually play SG tour now, which yes. I'm excited. About. <laughs> that is so good. That's such a great reason to, uh, to upgrade to the iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> it's time. It's time. Ryan, thank you very much. As always, thanks for your insight. And um, thank you for all the work you're doing on Golf News Net. We'll be following along all week. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. I mean it. Ryan is so good for those dark horse, like D-flight players, especially for the SG Tour. So um, thank you very much to him. If you haven't downloaded the app already, then get in the game for this week. SG Tour Golf Gaming in the App Store. And well, you go in there, you can create a game, invite your friends, set your stakes. So the amount of money that you guys want to play for. And then you pick your team of four players, one from each flight all based on world rankings but go on and play in the app store just search for sg tour golf gaming next up on the podcast i'm joined by a guy called rick faragar now rick works for the bbc based in belfast he was behind a recent show that was produced all about the open in 1951 at royal port rush and well the history side of things then how it compares to the open in 2019 and also just what it means to Northern Ireland to be hosting the fourth major of 2019. Northern Ireland has really had its troubles over the year and this shows a huge amount of progression for them to be hosting this worldwide sporting event. Rick, thank you for being on. Yeah, hi, Dan. Thanks so much for having me on and uh, hello everyone who's listening from uh, Belfast, Northern Ireland. Yeah, it, it's crazy because we are now, what, um, the week of the Open is here in 2019, but of course the last time it was at Royal Port Rush, the last time it was ever in Northern Ireland was in 1951, so it's taken 68 years for this event to come back to these shores, which is an extraordinary amount of time. And I've been working on a documentary which has gone out, and for listeners in the UK, they can watch it on BBC iPlayer now. It's called The Open, Port Rush 51. And it was looking back at what happens that week because I'm a golf nerd. I am a avid golfer my whole life. I moved to Northern Ireland 10 years ago, and I knew that The Open had been here before. But what did I actually know about um, what happened that week? Well, pretty much nothing. And I asked around and people said, yeah, that's the one I think uh, Fred Daly won. Fred Daly, the great Irish golfer. Well, actually, he didn't. Um, oh, it was a guy really? called Max Faulkner who won. Yeah, so so Max Faulkner is the guy who won. So I said, okay, Max Faulkner, like I've heard of this guy, but I don't really know much about him. So I started researching it into it. Um, I made contact with um, the late Max's family. He has two sons, Johnny and Guy. His son-in-law is actually Brian Barnes, who is uh, well-known, I guess, to, to all the listeners. Brian Barnes is, a, I think, a six-time Ryder Cup player. He is a two-time Senior Open champion as well. So I made contact with these guys, and I started learning a bit more about Max's story. Um, he was a child prodigy at golf, was absolutely superb, um, joined the RAF, the Royal Air Force, in the Second World War, became the force's boxing champion, actually. And when war finished, um, he went back to golf. 
he played okay, but actually his form on the golf course was so, so bad that the 1951 Open at Port Rush was almost like the last roll of the dice to him. He was considering actually giving up the game. His finances weren't in good shape. So he came over really at one last shot at golfing redemption, I suppose. So it's a story about that and all the other great golfers who took part that week, the Fred Dalys, the Bobby Locks, the Antonio Surders. If you like your golf from very much the old school, 1950s golf, then the Open Portrush 51 is the is the program to look out for. That's a great story. And over in the US, I'm constantly looking for um, websites and what do you call that when you can go on and like try and access a VPN? A VPN, <laughs> and yeah. Find a sneaky way to go on and watch British TV from oh, over here. Well, but, um, put it this way, put it this way. It. To, make this, to make this program was really tough because I think 180 three guys, either 183 or 186 guys competed in the 1951 Open. And I think that only two players are still alive today. So that's how tricky it was to go about and find first-hand accounts of the people who competed in the event. One of them is a name that all of your listeners will know, Peter Alice, legendary golf commentator, Peter Alice for the BBC. Uh, Peter was, I think, 20 years old when he played in that event. So we were able to interview him as well. But boy, yeah, what was it tough actually finding those two people who were able to speak to us uh, and actually finding out about what, what golf was like back then because it was so different to, you know, the, the PGA Tour, LPGA Tour uh, and professional golf we watch today, just so, so different. Mm-hmm. And Peter Thompson, who sadly passed away last year and last year the Open Championship at Carnoustie, they had a lot of tributes to Peter Thompson, but he actually made his Open debut at Portrush in 51. He was only 21 years old and finished in sixth place. So special for yeah. that reason too. Yeah, I mean, look, Peter Thompson, did he win, I think, five Open Championships in the end? Uh, and that's where his Open journey began, was at Portrush in, in 1951. I think it's an event that holds special memories for a lot of people because for viewers, a listener's story in the US, I think you have to appreciate that, obviously, this event is always held on the island of Great Britain. It's always held on the island that uh, is comp- compiled of England, Scotland, and Wales, and only once ever did it go the other side of the Irish Sea. So I think for Peter Thompson, for Peter Alice, for Bobby Locke, for Antonio Serda, for Frank Stranahan, the great American amateur player who came over, actually traveling to the island of Ireland and playing in this event is something that would have stayed with them throughout their whole careers. And I think that the same applies to the guys going over and playing um, this week is it's kind of a different mm-hmm. feel. It's yes, it's the Open Championship. It's what many um, of your listeners will call the British Open Championship, but it's being played on the island of Ireland. And I think that does bring with it um, an added spice of atmosphere. Um, some extra noise, definitely. I know because I think in excess of 80% of ticket sales have been bought by people here in Ireland. So it's going to have yeah. a very different, I think almost wider cup feel to it, this one. Wow, oh, I'm excited. Um, what does it mean to the local area? As you say, since 1951, there's been no golf in Ireland or Northern Ireland when it comes to the Open Championship. And yeah. I know for a fact that when the Irish Open is held every year for the European Tour, that the crowds are out on mass. And we just saw that mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago as well. But what yeah. has it meant yeah. to the local area to have this anticipation, to have this build up and for the week to finally be here? 
Well, it was announced five years ago that um, Northern Ireland was going to land the Open Championship. And it's not just been a journey of five years. This has been a journey that's lasted decades for Northern Ireland. Um, the head of Royal Portrush herself, Wilma Erskine, um, has been quoted as saying, and this is very fair, in the 1970s, 80s and 90s, because of the conflict in Northern Ireland, no tourists came here. Nobody wanted to come to Northern Ireland. Um, over the past few years, past 20 years, circumstances have changed here a lot. And finally, we're in a position where we can host some major sports events. So, for example, you touched on it there, Diane. Whenever the Irish Open is held in Northern Ireland or, or just across the border last year in, uh, in Ballylithan in, in County Donegal, the crowds have, are so passionate and they're so proud to have these type of events in this part of the world. We had a big cycling event this year at Italia, which came here a few years ago. And we had a massive Irish Open at Royal Portrush, I think in 2012, which remains the highest ever attended European tour event. I think we had something like 140 or 150,000 people there for a European tour event that week. So I think there was always a sense that Northern Ireland was more than capable of holding the Open Championship. But it was a case of, well, would it ever come here? And then since it was announced five years ago, the buzz about the place, even people who don't like golf, people who know nothing about golf, they're talking about the Open Championship. Every time you get into a taxi, the taxi driver will talk about the golf. People in work will talk about the golf. People on the street will be talking about the golf. And I would say this is an Open Championship, um, perhaps above any other, that will have the most pride among the people who uh, form this community because it symbolizes so much that Northern Ireland is in a place where it can now host a championship like this. And let's not forget, this is the first Open Championship that is ticket only and tickets sold out 11 months in advance. So that gives you an idea of just how quickly people have bought into this event. 215,000 tickets have now all gone. I think there are a handful left for the practice days. The championship days have been long since sold out. And I think we are in for a really, really special week. You have spent quite a bit of time at the course and I know recently you've been there a lot. How's it looking? It looks absolutely fantastic. I, I was there um, sort of, yeah, very recently, just a couple of days ago. Um, I mean, Royal Portrush is um, in a stunning part of the world. It's right on the north coast of Ireland, right beside the Giants Causeway. It's as beautiful links course as what you will find. Now, I've been going there for probably 10 years to play golf and see friends there. And it's often a very quiet sort of seaside place. Let me tell you, this week, it is, it is anything but uh, a quiet seaside place. The whole course has been completely transformed with all the infrastructure, grandstands, huge compounds that you can imagine. Um, the course itself has had two new holes built. So the 17th and 18th, the old 17th and 18th, they've been scrapped. There's a new par 5 7th been built, which is absolutely spectacular. The Atlantic Ocean to the right, all the sand dunes down the right-hand side, and all the, uh, the Portrush links to the left. And the par 4 8th has also been built. And these are absolutely spectacular holes. And Rory McIlroy has been singing their praises about how much he loves them as well. Um, so the course is fab. I mean, for people who are listening to this, perhaps don't know much about Royal Portrush, it's a fair test of golf. I mean, it's a par 71. It's just over 7,300 yards. It's been lengthened by a few hundred yards uh, in the past couple of years. It's a stern test. If you're not accurate off the tee, you will be punished. But if you keep the ball in play, it is a golf course that you can score really well around. I mean, I would, I would expect some really good scores this week. The forecast is, is pretty good for this part of the world. Um, and I would definitely see some six, seven under par rounds 
heading our way this week. The greens aren't the biggest, so as long as you find the middle of the green, your birdie spot probably isn't too long. It's a fabulous, fabulous golf course. Um, but if you're not, if you're reckless off the tee, if you don't bring your A game, you will be punished, and your your tournament will be coming to an end on Friday. My question was going to be about the weather because mm-hmm. the weather is a fundamental part of Lynx golf and obviously mm-hmm. the Open Championship. And I think that I like a little bit of bad weather. I was talking to someone the mm-hmm. other day and they said, oh, I hope the weather's great for four days. And I said, no, I definitely want like one day where it's blustery <laughs> and it's rainy and and then it becomes challenging because yeah. that's what we expect from the Open Championship. But how's the weather been lately and what is that forecast? You know, it's so funny, not even uh, 15 minutes ago, I had this conversation uh, with my boss in the office and we said, you know, the weather's been really quite good lately. Uh, It's been dry. It's been relatively calm. And we kind of said, we don't want it too good uh, heading into the weekend because, (laughs) uh, as you know, as you know, Diane, I don't need to tell you, um, Lynx golf courses, they are often defined by the conditions, by the elements. Um, when the wind doesn't blow, um, these courses very often have a little protection. Royal Port Rush is, is, is no different. Um, so certainly for the first bit of this week, we've seen some fairly decent weather, uh, overcast at times, bit of a breeze, but absolutely what people from our part of the world would not call windy at all. So um, the conditions have been favourable. I think the American players who are here this week will be, will be enjoying it. You know, there's not too much in the way of, you know, long sweaters and raincoats having to be worn. Um, I think we can expect a couple of showers as we head in uh, towards the end of this week. Overall, though, I think the conditions will be, will be okay. I personally, like you, have my fingers crossed. I would like to see maybe on Saturday if the wind got up. Um, for us, it would be something standard, 20, 25 miles an hour. Um, a lot of players mm-hmm. might struggle in that, and I think that would bring a lot of the field back into play, the guys who make the cut. So, so far... Pretty nice T-shirt weather over here. Uh, fingers crossed, so for oh. a, a bit of gusto and a bit of breeze as we head into the weekend. T-shirt weather, that's like a bold statement. <laughs> T-shirt weather is the best kind of weather to have over there. Absolutely, absolutely it is. I agree. I always laugh because in the US, the weather forecast is so exact and precise that they can pretty much tell you the exact minute that it's going to start raining. But the weather forecasting in the UK is very, very different. I tell people that all the time. We just don't have the same degree of weather forecasting. Well, look, I mean, I, I say we are happy in this part of the world if, you know, as long as it doesn't rain all day, we're kind of happy. And I've had friends, you know, I, I lived in I lived in Virginia for a year. I've subsequently had some, some really good friends of mine come out to, to, to Ireland and, and, and this part of the world. And their jaw always drops because they say, you really weren't kidding when you said you can have all four seasons in one afternoon. And I say, absolutely. So, look, for your listeners who've been over to the Open Championship before, they know what to expect. They know the deal. You'll turn up for the course in the morning in your waterproofs. You'll be down to a T-shirt by lunchtime and back into your waterproofs by mid-afternoon. That's just the way it is over here. But that adds to the spice of this championship. And I think for us, you know, seeing these beautiful Florida conditions that, you know, quite often the majors are played on the PGA Tour. And we see the guys with like their golfers tan, you know, with like their little like uh, brown sort of forearms and brown V at the bottom of their necks. There, there is envy because we don't get that many days like that over here. But I think that adds to the fun in games when the Open Championship comes around. And look, people who've made the journey over here as well, they don't want to see, you know, 90 degrees, three mile an hour breezes. They want to see a little bit of rain. They want to see a few gusts of wind. They want it a bit chilly. They want to see these players tested mm-hmm. on a Lynx golf course just the way it was designed to be.
There's no such thing as bad weather, only bad preparation. Absolutely. 100% Diane, you are absolutely right. <laughs> it's like the motto of anyone that has lived in Scotland or Northern Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 100%, 100%. Rick, thank you so much. It's been great to talk to you and have a fabulous week as well on the course. Diane, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Really interesting. So on our social media this week, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, we are talking to all of our players. They've been sending us video from their practice rounds at Royal Port Rush. So make sure you're following along. We're secret golf on everything. We had five. We kept talking about the fact that we had five of our players in the field. And then first thing on Monday morning, Brian Harmon got in as an alternate. So six of them there, Brian... Patton Kazire, Jason Kokrak, Ryan Palmer, Mark Leishman and Russell Knox. They're giving us strategy from various holes and yesterday Leishman did the 18th, which is a gorgeous hole. It's a difficult par four to end. So that's on all of our social. Also, we're doing a giveaway this week. So we have a cartoonist at Secret Golf, I'm sure you're aware. His name's Calder Chisholm and him and Elk collaborate on these amazing exclusive Secret Golf tunes. So we have six of them up for grabs this week of all six of our guys in the field. They are brilliant. So, so funny. So you can see the pictures on our social media and um, you can enter to win. All the details are up there. Thank you very much for listening. We've got so much to talk about this week, but it's always that way when it's a major week. The best one, in my opinion. And we'll be back with another podcast tomorrow. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.